gems were rolling. Welcome, friends and fans and foes. <laughs> and foes. <laughs> Even though you're foes, thanks for listening. Indeed, indeed. I know you're just trying to essentially harvest stuff in which you can take us down with. But yeah. hey, at least you're you're a number. You're a number for us, and we appreciate it here at the All the Horrible Things podcast, episode 12. Episode 12. Episode 12. Check it out. Proper dozen. Pretty it exciting is. for us. Yeah, uh, tonight we will be discussing uh, resurrection horror in in lieu of the upcoming holiday, Easter. Easter. I feel yes. like I still need to say. Does it go by say. any other name? Does Easter go by any other name? Is it just? Oh, Easter? I'm sure. If you're religious, I'm sure it's it's something. <laughs> and Easter has a lot of affiliative business too, because you got the Lent that leads up to it. You got right. the Good Friday. It's really kind of a. It's a domineering oh, force man. in the late winter, early spring zone. It's a packaged zone. holiday for sure. It is. And of course, like, what, what do you associate the most with Easter? Cadbury eggs. Cadbury eggs are good, yes. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of... Although um, Cadbury now has a new packager. The chocolate is not as good as it used to be, which is a damn shame. Uh, it certainly beats Hershey or Mars still. Oh, yeah. But oh, it yeah. used to be Supremo, and they've, they've fallen off a little bit. A little plasticky again. Um, but yes, certainly candy, candy for me, eggs. number one, candy and eggs, the egg laying bunny. Yeah. Isn't it funny that the, um, yeah, the, the Easter bunny is, uh, is the star of the show and not Jesus. <laughs> but this, this bunny is clearly cold blooded, right? And not a mammal. Correct. So it's some sort of hybrid if it's able to pop out eggs or does it harvest eggs? I don't know. And then <laughs> hollow so them out. weird. It is very strange. What a weird... Um, yeah. Yeah, but I certainly, as a kid, definitely affiliated Easter more with the candies and the baskets and yeah. the eggs oh, yeah. and the chocolates and the floppy ears, more so than the big man behind it all. Zombie Jesus. Zombie Jeebus. That's right. One of the greatest comeback stories. He's a corpsey, right? <laughs> What's that? He, he, was, he was stuffed in a cave, right? As a corpsey. He was put and into then, a cave and a boulder there to... And they put the boulder there and then he comes back because we're going to talk about the nature of beings upon rebirth, upon their resurrection. Mm -hmm. He comes back strong enough to move a boulder on his own. Oh, is that what happened? He comes back as a superhero. Okay, essentially like psychic abilities at this stage. I I think he always had the psychic abilities. Oh, all right. right. I I figured he had the capacity to like read minds. I didn't know. Or kinesis, telekinetic. He's moving mm-hmm. the boulder like that, possibly. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, Jeebus can do it all, apparently. Anyways, he comes back, and that's scary as shit for anyone who who anybody who witnessed what he had um, dead after death, yeah, been through. And he comes back, and he's like, "It's all good, right?" I mean, obviously, this is not CCD. This is not church hour here. We're we're just giving <laughs> no, the, we're the missing broad a lot strokes. of the major details here. <laughs> And are probably getting him confused with some Marvel superheroes. Uh, that could be based yeah, off who, of him. Who is the closest in Marvel to Jeebus? Um, Thor, possibly. At least possibly. in terms of looks. Well, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so we picked <laughs> some horror movies that uh, have a central feature being resurrections. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and interestingly, when we were kind of doing the research on this, predominantly it's an 80s thing. It's an 80s horror trope more so than other periods of time. Any idea why that would be? Uh, that's a great question. I, I'm sure it had some sort of um, some sort of revolt to what was going on politically. You know, um, the idea of what was going on with Reaganomics. Right. I, oh, well, well, Reagan, well, we're the great shining beacon on the hill, thanks to Reagan, right? So the country's being reborn right, with right. this new trickle-down theory. Genius. <laughs> uh, yes, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming it had to do a lot with yeah. what was going on politically and how everyone felt alive again or that the past <laughs> was coming back to bite them all in the ass. Or they felt that they were also being um, censored. And from that, they were deciding, uh, you know, to revolt with art. I like that theory better. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That one. <laughs> yeah. Um, the sad reality is, though, at least from my perspective, a lot of these are are, are not not the best films. Some some are very interesting. <laughs> some definitely uh, bring up some philosophical queries that I find 
quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whether or not they hold up, uh, that's going to be the question we're going to tackle here. Um, and the first two we're going to talk about are from the same director, who we love, right? Uh, usually, and he does do his own music as he did in um, this first one and Halloween, of course. And we're talking about John Carpenter yeah. and the and- nineteen eighty film The Fog. Correct. And man, the music is good in this movie. Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's a genius when it came to the music in Halloween. I remember. Oh, I <laughs> love the score to this. I love oh the score God. of the fog. Um, okay. I I I recognize that it was him, um, but I felt like he John he Carpenter kinda... after you know doing um Halloween, um spawned a whole wave of slasher movies. Uh mm-hmm. You know, there there are a ton of like low budget films that tried to do what Halloween did. Uh, John Carpenter actually even went and started making made for TV movies hmm. while everyone else was doing slashers because he was like over it. Like he even did um, a made for TV movie about Elvis. He was just really trying to get away from it. Wow. So he decides he wants to do another horror movie and goes with a classic ghost story, and that's where that's where this is coming from. He wants to basically do the opposite of um the domestic disturbance that was the slasher right. and writes with deborah hill um creates the fog that takes place you know like in a fictional town in california kind of like the complete opposite of haddonfield antonio bay antonio bay yes and it's a really interesting idea i mean i do like the idea that he went in a complete different direction, sort of like a classic um, 1940s, not House on Haunted Hill, but, you know, going going in a, in a, a different um, uh, obvious direction than, than what people were recognizing him from. I definitely I definitely agree with you there. And I appreciate that he went in a different direction. And I think there are moments that are startling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting back to his music, I think while he does have some uh, capacity in that realm, I think. The Fog proved to me his ability to create uh, settings with life themselves because Mm -hmm. Antonio Bay, to me, was one of the highlights of the film. Sure. Uh, Specifically, where Adrian Barbeau is working as a radio DJ on this, like, cliff out in the water where she's got these ridiculous stairs to go up and down. And they spend so much time just watching her go down these stairs. But the the scene is so beautiful that I let it slide. I was like, (laughs) I'm okay. I'm soaking this in. I'm feeling like I am a resident of Antonio Bay myself here because of how how much he seemed to really pay dues to this small seaside town. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, I feel like there was missed opportunities because for those of you who don't know, we're talking about uh, what are probably pirate ghosts that died about 100 years prior to the celebration of the birthing of this town. Um, I think they were also lepers. I think they were lepers. Oh, oh my goodness. I I think if I remember correctly, and I haven't seen this in a a couple of years, but um, I believe the, 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 the story is that the people who founded the town didn't want this to be a leper colony, stole oh. the gold from these um, these people, built the town and the church with this money, and now they are back for their revenge. Uh, yes, and they, tur- they took all that gold and they turned it into a ginormous cross. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, 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 it's they did. It's all in this huge, huge cross that's, that's hidden in the church somewhere. Um, they want their gold, like the yeah, leprechaun. So th- that's the root of what's going on here. But they have this celebration during this movie where the fog is rolling in. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's this, like, great little party outside. Everyone's going to start <laughs> to get mowed down. And then, like, no, nothing happens at the, like, parade slash celebration <laughs> outdoors in downtown. Very little happens downtown. Yeah. We're brought back to the <clears throat> church instead. Uh, I will say I did like some of the deaths on our first victims. Yeah, uh, the gentlemen that are not the gentlemen, the the sailors on the boat that first get annihilated by our uh, leper ghost pirate things that live in the fog. Leper pirates. Um, do you remember how some of these guys got killed? Yeah, and and you know what's interesting? Just another quick fact was that John Carpenter, after he finished his first cut of this movie, was very unhappy with it. He was very unhappy with the movie. He he said like kind of like, what did I? 
create you know like what he was made. expecting people to want the violence that was in halloween he hadn't included it so he went back and he reshot a lot of these deaths and just inserted them into the movie okay all right i hate to say it but that's that's the part that i enjoyed the most uh, and that's <laughs> the part that like... you like the most were the reshoots <laughs> <laughs> i mean they, they seemed yeah. kind of necessary uh, yeah. yeah i could yeah. see how they were Re reshot them. I will say there a lot of this movie left me just like wanting, wanting, and I was anticipating yeah, something yeah, because that he did that such a good really job bought. of establishing everything. Yeah, you want. And more. maybe that's appropriate because of the fog, and you don't know what's there. You just know right. that something ominous is rolling in, but you really only get little sh shadows of what is there. And if he, I think it's kind of ironic that he didn't like it because he essentially. He is Victor Frankenstein himself, and he's made this monstrous thing yeah. that he was hoping would be good that turns out to be, you know, Robert De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, the coolest thing about this movie, though, in my opinion, was that the fact that they, um, they didn't shoot the faces. They don't, they don't film the faces of the, the pirates, the lepers, kind of like leaves you to kind of... I think you finally see one at the very end and it's, you know, it's green and it's got worms. And I think that's part of the whole. Yes. Leprosy. Yeah, that was neat. The, the, the effects in it were fun. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. They all, you're right, though. They were all kind of had hooks, right? Yeah. Everyone had a hook in it. Which, I you know, kind of have like, like losing body parts. and Right. I feel like it might have influenced the tone of. I know you did last summer a little bit even. Oh, OK. Like they had similar vibes. There I was kind go. of uh, flashing to and fro from 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 those two films. I like just that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah these scorned older men right who yeah. have been um wronged by yeah. that younger culture that thinks they kind of like own the future and what should come i don't know i kind of i saw i could i could see a, a paper being written comparing contrasting those two mofos i like it i like um, it all right we got to talk about uh, the ridiculous relationship between tom atkins and <laughs> jamie lee curtis jamie lee curtis and then she is a a hitchhiker of sorts. Yeah. She's just like bang. supposedly hitchhiking for the first time, she tells Mr. Atkins, but in fact, he's the 12th person she's ridden with. It just happens to have been yeah. within the last two weeks or something. She's all of maybe 17 or 18. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And he's like 50 at least, right? Oh, yeah. This the, Tom Atkins is a grizzled fellow. There is oh, yeah. nothing, uh, he does no charm. You know what I mean? He's not dapper in any, any way. He's. He's, he's rough around the edges, right? He's an 80s and he's, man's man, like a Burt Reynolds. Okay. Like, All right. <laughs> you know, he's got the mustache, right. the Magnum B.I. look. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, for a second there, I thought he had the leprosy. Um, but <laughs> I, he's an interesting character to watch. I just really struggled with the relationship because it felt so wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And in a weird way, it seemed like even though she was 17 to his 50 or whatever, she kind of ran him in a weird way you yeah. know yeah um and then but what was really cool about the flick is that her mom's then another central character jamie lee's mom Janet lee yeah is one of the, the more yeah, powerful ladies in council, the town whatever you would yeah yeah like yeah councilwoman i think councilwoman that, that, sounds, that sounds good accurate. yeah and interestingly her assistant is the first girl to get slayed in halloween did you notice That's, that? Yes, yes. It was like they kept she the looks same. looks a little like Jennifer Gray at first. I was like, is that she Jennifer Gray? She does look like Jennifer Gray. And you think that's yes, in Halloween she's as well. fun. It, it was, she, I really was expecting her also to get slayed. But that's another one of those things like, no, he didn't. I, there wasn't enough gore for me in the fog, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I no, felt I like that. he was maybe going for more of, of a message that I don't necessarily rang through. It seemed very, very critical of the church. Um, and theology what do you take from that oh yeah i mean i think that's that's kind of um kind of the message there right um the greed the greed behind right yeah yes i could see that using it as a front right yeah, i mean a they made this Finland. giant ridiculous gold cross <laughs> i mean you've seen that throughout history with like the especially the catholic church they're like you know what we should do melt everyone's gold down that we've taken it from and make them one big piece of gold <laughs> that's in the name of our absolutely savior right the people that they should have been helping these lepers they should have taken them in and tried to help them have the most comfortable life possible right. instead they wanted their own they just yoink their riches yeah not cool but um, the overall theme of resurrection here though is brought on by greed and wrongdoing so revenge yeah. here right yeah 
So let's talk about the, the thing then, unless you have the any... thing. Right. Yeah. Two years later, he busts out with the thing, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. In the horror genre, yeah. If not all genres ever. Uh, this is a weird one that we had talked about how there's different types of um, rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is an alien that has been frozen for who knows how long. Right. Yeah. And is rebooted instead of necessarily reborn. He's, he thought out and then can exist again in the corporeal space and become anything it wants. That to me is, I think we've talked a little about the thing in the past, but just its capacity to be a doppelganger of anyone. Terrifying. Including dogs and ugh. Yeah, it's one of the most. It's just such paranoia levels up. In the way the fog really didn't scare me, Carpenter nailed it with the scare factor in the thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like the effects were, I felt better. And the big bad made more sense to me, a survival situation versus a revenge situation. I'm always going to be more inspired by a being that wants to live on and take out everything around. Yeah, it'll do whatever it has to do. Yeah, anything it has to do to survive. The balloons. Yeah, that's that's one of those interesting um, things about the thing is it's it may have been explained in. is it a prequel that they had made in um, 2011 or whatever with the? Um, I I don't is it, is it a prequel? I I, I know that did they they did do a reboot. You're not talking about the straight up reboot of it, right? Well, did they that, do a prequel that's as just well? it. Like uh, I've I almost got yelled at on Twitter once because I said you know this movie has been remade three times because the thing John Carpenter's the thing is a remake from the 1950s, right. and mm-hmm. then I thought because I never saw it didn't want to see it necessarily the one that they made in um it's mid 2000s i think it's like 2011 Uh, apparently is not a direct reboot it's a i think that they tried to say it was a a prequel and i don't buy it i don't buy it because i mean it's all it's much it's technology that's more contemporary right right it's it's, if anything it could be potentially a sequel if the thing had gotten frozen again over the course of the last 40 years well um yeah, but what I'm getting at here, though, I is a reboot. I want more information about where the thing came from and how long it's been there and what you've just... That would be what, cool. Yes. Well, the thing is, we don't know that the thing is from anywhere. It could be just... An ancient being? An ancient being of Earth, yeah. you know? We mm-hmm. don't know. That's what I, I love the mystery of the thing. Yes. Uh, and Kurt Russell, is. this is his, his peak performance, if <laughs> yeah. you ask me. McCready, like, he's just, like... The look of him too. It's right up there with his Snake Plissken character. Just, just. Did Carpenter do the music on this one? Oh, most definitely. He did. Okay. All right. If I don't not remember collab- it distracting in, me in, as much. It, as the if it wasn't just him, it was probably in collaboration with somebody. Um. But yeah, what a cool introduction to a character where you got Kurt Russell drinking scotch, playing a computer game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, I I didn't really know about his uh, son until. What is it? Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Oh, you didn't. And yeah. now I've seen subsequent Wyatt. things with Wyatt Russell, mm-hmm. including Lodge 49. I don't know if you've caught that show yet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Really fun show. And he's like a spitting image of his dad. I, I would love to see him come back because I know there was talk of him being Snake. Snake Plissken. Um, yeah. And Escape from New York. But I would love to see him be McCready instead because I think that yeah. that's story and world is so much more appealing. And Agreed. He'd nail it. Nail it. Yeah, there's a little nepotism I, I might get behind. In that case, because I, I think he's decent. I like especially Lodge like Forty Nine. If you haven't seen that, it's it unfortunately got canceled, but it's a great first yeah. season of a really unique show. He also did um, a he also did a um a horror movie called uh, Over Overlord. Oh, I haven't seen that. Um, well, starring White Russell, it, t- it takes place in uh, World War Two. It's pretty fun. Oh, wow, yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, that's um, yeah. I don't know how much you want to dive into the thing. Um, I mean, I think we've talked about it before. Ultimately, yeah. it's just uh, an Alaskan outpost where they come across this entity that they thaw out like idiots, yeah. and then it <laughs> kills them all. <laughs> yeah, like a, a different type of resurrection you described. That's um, yes, it, yeah, it's it's that's what we try to do. We try to mix up the types of mm-hmm. rebirths that we're dealing with. So otherwise, it's more we like would just be talking about a ton of zombie movies, right? Zombie and vampire movies yeah. nonstop, right? Because those are both technically right. you die and you come back, but overdone we're trying to mix it up a little bit but yeah any horror fan's gonna already know about the thing so i think we should move ahead a couple years three years yeah 
and talk about Reanimator, which I watched for the first time in my life <laughs> this week, which is hard to believe because you've seen it. You said it's one of your staples from the I, 80s. Well, I, I'm, yeah, I am a fan. I am a fan of it. I, I think it's because it's so dramatic. You know, it, th- this film, I think, was mostly stage actors acting Oh, really? On on film for the first time. That explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. And and the director, Stuart Gordon, who, um, you know, went on to do uh, From Beyond with with a lot of these cast members. And, um, yeah, he had come from the theater world, had never directed a film before this movie. And I think he actually started his career in Chicago as well. But he um, worked with his DP on this movie to really understand, like, how to – make a movie um but i do like that they really didn't hold back on this movie i don't think this movie has a traditional r rating i think it's an unrated film because really? it's so over the top the gore is great especially at the end yes oh my goodness yes. the um the practical effects are fun there's so much fun the, the effects are really fun yeah they are that being said i will say i, I took it seriously for the first half Okay. The latter half, it became a comedy. Very to me. campy. Yeah. It was. It was. Too, it, I feel like it was consciously trying to make me laugh at times, <laughs> though. You know. And I, I, I don't know if you, you got that from it, but just him carrying around his own head at the end for so long, and <laughs> yeah. essentially, oh, especially when they kind of got into the the lewd stuff, where he right. kidnaps the girl that he has a crush on, and is having his own severed head do ridiculous things. Ridiculous things. And uh, uh, the way like all the, the corpses then pop up at the end, he's like, I have a plan of my own. And then like, <laughs> like they knew their cue to just jump up off the morgue tables. Um, I think it's interesting that you say that these are all theater actors, because I was like, why are they all being so big? Why is the big characters, so- big performances and, and to the line deliveries are so much fun though. Like how about when, when, when uh, the, the cat is um, not funny, <laughs> that they, but, but when he's like, Oh, why didn't you leave a note? Oh yeah. What was the note supposed to say? Cat dead <laughs> details later. <laughs> Yes, it was hilarious. (laughs) No, that's the thing is, I found it way more of a comedy horror than a horror. Yeah, very dark comedy. Very dark comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, The two older gentlemen in it too that kind of become the the one runs the college, right? uh, You've got the dean, who's also the dean, the father of the main main girl in it. Yeah. uh, and, and then they, then they had um, scientist uh, of or or head of the brain science department or whatever, who was even before he was carrying around his own head, ghoulish looking himself. Yes. He was a scary looking dude. You know, yeah. he was a very ominous figure, and you could tell he was he had creepy feelings toward the girl, oh, but was, it wasn't clear. Like, is this just a one off? Right and then it became a plot point. Oh. I know. And then has the father lobotomized so that he can control the the undead dad to then kidnap his own daughter for him to do his sleazy stuff with. Yeah. Uh, I, what's interesting is HP Lovecraft is the, uh, this is a story essence of the story. It's rooted on one of his stories. Correct. Um, the thing is, I feel like there is something in that, that could have been really powerful. That was kind of squandered. Well, I agree. I, don't know. I agree. And I, and I think there's, um, Another example we'll talk about later with such a good premise um, and just not done right or the tone right. isn't right. I don't know if I don't know if there's been a movie that really got the tone right of bringing people back from the dead. No, I know. I know. Uh, I, as we were talking about, we're looking at this list of resurrection movies and there's none with the exception maybe of the one we'll talk about next. It's an ultimate classic, amazing movie. Uh, and granted, I haven't seen Brain Dead, which we'll talk about after that, but. I think it's a hard topic to traverse well. And I think that just roots in our inability to really understand death ourselves. You're dealing with a topic that's not as relatable and not as uh, by intuable, I guess. I I don't know how to put it other than it's such a hard realm to effectively use for scares Uh, because everyone has such different beliefs about what happens after life that, I, I don't know. You'd have to. You really have to suspend your disbelief to jump into one of these resurrection horrors, 
with the ability to be scared. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, there's a, there's another movie that um, could have made this list that I completely forgot about until we just started talking about the tone of this genre. And it's a movie called cemetery man. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm, I have heard of it. Yeah. I think it's also goes by the name della morte, della morte. It's an Italian film, but like it, it's, it's really good. It's really fun. It's more of a horror comedy though. And that's, that's the point is that, Mm. um, maybe it's such a heavy topic. You have to have that splash of comedy to make it bringing back palatable. Yeah. It's because it's chances are you're either bringing back somebody, you know, or, or specifically loved. And it's, yeah, it's a really tough, um yeah maybe it's also dealing with religion too i don't know i don't know yeah yeah i think it could put put people off there are some highlights to reanimator i do want to mention though the fact that they so blatantly ripped off the psycho soundtrack oh i was <laughs> what no, like wait a second purpose, i recognize this no okay. no there, there is a but great why? story of the composer of this he did okay. it on purpose and um he wanted people to be like wait a minute it's that's the psycho yeah it was done intentionally which is really really bold it is bold and i will say that it made me think it was going to be better than it turned out being for me you know what i mean yeah because that soundtrack is so powerful uh i'm surprised that wasn't like a liability issue you know it wasn't actionable i'm uh, sure there was um, some something that that that's came to be you know that that's you know played over the intro sequence to this movie right and the artist throughout the whole thing yeah the artist in different forms tweak just a bit yeah and there's like the really creepy fun oboe like that's cool um but the the artist who did the uh, opening sequence is has gone on to like create almost almost all of tim burton's intros no shit really yeah okay that's interesting since we're about to talk about Mr. Burton. The only last thing I wanted to mention about Reanimator was the glowing green uh, bring back to life juice, whatever that oh, way they called it. In that <laughs> one. <laughs> it it's, was such it's a iconic. Focus. It's iconic. It is. Yeah. No, that that I did love. Every anytime they busted out a syringe of the the glowing green ooze, I was like, oh, TMNT two, secret of the ooze, baby. <laughs> Where's Raza? You know. So yeah. I did get that. I did quite enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Burton's Beetle Geis. Yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> Why hasn't there been a sequel? Um, that's a great question. You know, they've, they've, they've tried, and they have been trying, and I think they continue to try. And it might just be getting everyone on the same schedule. Yeah. You've got a. I mean, Michael Keaton is like in the second act of his career, and I'm loving a lot of what he's doing. He's one of my all-time favorite actors. His performance in this, I don't know too many people that could have pulled this off. No, he's unrecognizable from anything else he had done prior to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As a kid, I don't think I associated, oh, this is the same guy who's Batman? Right. I, cu- I couldn't, like, that's when I started to see, oh, wow, that's acting. That's the capacity yeah. to really become the, the something range. different. <laughs> you're Batman. You're, you're um, Birdman. <laughs> you're Beetlejuice. It's, yeah, he's all over the place. And, and we were talking about how hard of a topic is. Of course, this does have serious comedy elements in it. Yeah. But I would say this is top three of his movies ever made, right? Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. It's so well done, so well cast. Uh, it's pitch perfect, really. Is yeah. there any issue you have with it? I mean, I no. would love to see maybe better sandworms if it was done again. Yeah, you know, the I sandworms that was- sequences are a little goofy i think that was probably you know something that they couldn't avoid just because of the technology at the time right is this the one he is this his second one right after peewee i think it might have to be i think it is i think it kind of has to be um but this movie's all about the afterlife yes all about what happens next there's a a handbook in the movie about (laughs) such a great prop yeah that's something i'd like to have on my show everyone should have it like on their coffee table and just the, the ability to, like, create doors with the chalk. It just <laughs> yeah. had such a unique take on what comes next. It wasn't, like, offensive. Granted, I know in, like, some Asian cultures, you can't you can't put any movie out there that has any ghostly anything in it that mm. even hints at afterlife stuff. Um, but this does it so well. And that's why I think there is a musical Beetlejuice, though, right? Yes, there is. Or it was okay. on, on Broadway. And I think they had won, like, some Tonys and... Yeah. And were you a fan of the cartoon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The cartoon was great. It was so unique itself. Yeah. Um, but what, what did you think about how they portrayed what, what comes next? It was 
probably caused a lot of stir because it's very i mean this waiting room that they created which is just so much fun um and the office the the it it seems like it leans more towards there being an actual hell than an actual heaven you know like um i would love to go back and read some of the reviews from the times i i don't know if yeah, people like i bet movie critics loved it but i i bet there was a lot of families who were like you're not seeing that movie right what was beetlejuice he's I mean, dead what, right yeah he's, he's definitely dead, dead but he chose his own route you know he sort of like um didn't follow the rules he's almost like a freelancer instead of okay you know like he didn't actually ever sit in the waiting room that's why at the end when he's in the waiting room it's like he's going to be processed for the first time because he okay decided because he skirted the system mm -hmm. and tried to exploit those that were new to death yeah okay it's so genius it's, it, it it's, is it is uh his look as over the top as it is, it's still a Halloween costume every year. You know, it's my pitch would not be a sequel, but a prequel when Beetlejuice was man. <laughs> I love that before he died, you lead, in, lead into his death because you know he had to have been a character in life, right? And probably was horrible, uh, and that could definitely be turned into something. Anyways, yeah, yeah I think that's fun. Now uh, I, hit me with Brain Dead because this is one that I can't believe I haven't seen. 1992 um, years later so as noted everything we've talked about so far has all been 80s resurrection films. yeah brain dead is and now we have our first 1990 yeah also referred to as dead alive in um australia i think when it when it hits here they changed the name to, to brain dead it is really really fun over the top i mean this movie has like broken records for the amount of like gallons of fake blood they've used um about a guy who um Gosh, I haven't seen it in so long because it's not as easily accessible like to get. I remember really? I rented this years ago and I was lucky that it was available because I think every time I checked, someone had rented the VHS and hadn't returned it. Oh, uh, wow. But this this movie is about like a, a creature that, um, I don't know, I remember it, it biting somebody and it creates this like zombie effect. Uh, from this guy who's who's living with his with his um, mother, it's kind of like your classic story about you know, um, mother doesn't approve of the the guy in his life and and he's you know single and but then just everything goes wrong like his mom gets bit by this weird monkey rat thing, which again Peter Jackson so it's you know over the top puppetry right. like, um, it is just so much fun. I mean, there's a scene where um, our main character has a lawnmower and, and like uses the blade to like start killing a lot of these zombies. Oh, that sounds fun. It's very fun. And I, and I wish I had seen it recently. I would watch this movie once a year if I could. Holy cow. Um, yeah. The only other movie I can think of that involves uh, lawnmower deaths is Sinister, maybe during one of the sequences in Sinister with the lawnmower going over the the family's heads that are kind of oh, popped out yeah, yeah oh, you yeah, know yeah. what that also happens in scream queen season one as well but can't go wrong with lawnmower deaths so it's a must see is what you're saying i can't believe i haven't seen it as a, as a peter jackson movie i'm ashamed it's it's a must see absolutely and so when they get bit by this rat monkey thing <laughs> they they do die or yes okay and yes. Then, then they're brought back but they're affected coming back in a zombie mode or uh, dog alert <laughs> um sorry i'm trying to find out some more information about like what is the yeah it's stewart's been by it literally says rat monkey <laughs> oh wow um and it's it's wellington is new zealand so i apologize i accidentally said uh, australia that's gonna piss some people off yeah yep um, <laughs> Those Kiwis don't like it when you do that. Don't no, they don't. Australians. And I don't blame them. It's like I imagine we'd get obsessed if someone started saying we were Canadian. Even though they're wonderful people whom I love. I got bigger fish to worry about than that. Bigger <laughs> rat fish. Oh man. Yeah, it is just so much fun. I I um I think we should get our hands on it and do an episode just about okay. it because it's that I good. Think, I think we could for sure. Yeah. Um, let's jump ahead four years. I definitely saw this back in the day. I think probably 
My parents weren't happy that I saw it. I haven't seen it since I've had more of an adult brain, and that's 1994's The Crow. Oh, man. Yeah, I was obsessed yeah? with Have this. Have you seen it recently? Oh, really? And it does qualify as horror? It does. I would say so. Yeah, I okay. think it's one of those movies that just sort of like walks that line, but horror fans love The Crow. And they just announced like this week they're finally revamping it. Have you heard about this? Really? No. Bill Skarsgård, you know. Oh, Pennywise nice. will be playing yeah. the new crow. Okay. All right. Uh, we got a couple that was murdered, right? Yes. And then he is he comes back how? I think it's one of those, you know, like um you've got the like somebody gives him that second chance for revenge. So this is where in the afterlife. So yeah. this Okay, because he is kind of like a Jesus sort of figure, more than maybe a lot of the ones that we're dealing with here. No, the way like he looks and the way that he looks, but he's you know killing for a specific reason, and it's right. not just for violence. It's um, he's a he's a musician. Kind of, it kind of feels like this movie may have been inspired from grunge, like the birth of grunge rock in yeah. America as well. Um. Yeah, I remember I just I remember trying to figure out like who he spoke to, but he he rises from the dead. He rises from the dead to come back and, you know, get vengeance. Okay. Um is it rewatchable? I mean, do you think this is something that I think it's will hold up? Yeah. Today. Okay. I would say so. I do so. love the director. The director he directed one of my favorite films of all time, Dark City. Oh yeah. Uh, so just for that alone, I think it might be worth going and have a, a second look to see his sensibilities, how they kind of translated years later to Dark Dark City, which is a phenomenal flick. Uh, and the performances? Say that again? How were the performances? I know there's Great. a lot of hubbub about our lead here, Brandon Lee. Because yeah, of I remember at the outcome, time people but... didn't think he could do it, but there's also, I think you'd never hear anyone say anything bad again because of what happened on set, you know? Right. Okay. Um, but That's like Ernie Hudson's in this. He's great in this. He's a, um, oh, nice. he's a cop. And oh, yes, I do remember that. Yeah. I remember the performances being great. Okay. Um, and then, okay, just remind me about what then happens to him. Then does he re-die at the end? I don't or think we see that. I think it was left open for like sequels, potential okay. sequels. I see. Yeah. All right. All right. So it's I think it was um, kind of like a, a comic book feel to this movie, you know, like now you've Fair. like, he's got this Batman mantle of, um, you know, protecting the innocent. What was his method of destruction? How did he kill people? That's a great question because I think they they were relying on Brandon Lee's you know um, martial arts and just martial br- arts, yeah. violence, like you know. Okay, all right, hand to hand, hand to hand violence. Part. Yeah, taking advantage of that which is around him. All right, I'll definitely redabble in that one. You know what though um, is interesting? Do- oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's um, when you read the plot it's on October thirtieth, Devil's Night in Detroit. Mm. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. He this comes is back in year, This is when Detroit really later. starting to crumble. And this is like right when Detroit is no longer like the a, a hubbub of car production too. And you have kind of a the associations that lingered for a couple decades with Detroit being a troublesome place, right? Yeah. So that that's an interesting. I didn't realize that that was the setting of it. That does actually add an extra horror element to it. Huh. It does because um, they were, uh, the couple, they were going to get married the next day. That's what it was. Mm. Um, so they're on Hell's Night. She's raped and murdered. And he comes yeah. back a whole year later to dish out vengeance. That's, yeah. And there's no clue as to what he's been up to during that dead year, right? Because this that's the part that I'm I, fascinated by, and we'll talk about it more right. in the Lazarus effect, yeah. of what happens during that right. dead period and how that affects your coming back and your motivations upon coming back. Right, 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 right. Uh, but let's let's brighten it up a bit here with uh, 1996's The Frighteners. Now, which is another Peter Jackson. Not only is it Peter Jackson, but we have um, our main character or actor from uh, Reanimator as a major character in this as well. Wait a minute, wait and a minute. I think which, I just blew which your mind. Are we talking about you did just blow my mind. <laughs> which, which one is he? He's the the creepy Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Mel- oh my gosh, yeah. the super overacting Jeffrey- Germany sort of. Yep. 
Oh my god, that is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah. I think he he definitely got better or he learned how to do film over theater, over not th do theater in film yeah. essentially. Film acting over stage because... acting is definitely different. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. That that's crazy. Jeffrey Combs. Um, yeah. I totally missed that. And of course you have Gary Busey's son too. Got to see him before Jake Starship Busey. Troopers in what a interesting character actor he is i'm just uh, gonna say i love the frighteners i love the frighteners too it's, as a kid it was one of my favorites same same and it's one that i think i do probably watch every three or four years it's something that's like you know what i haven't seen it in a while i gotta i gotta rewatch. right I, I know michael I j fox in a while is so awesome and like everything um oh i forgot d wallace is in it too chi mcbride Oh, and then we talked about Arlie Emery a couple weeks ago with the Texas Chainsaw. And John um, Aston, who, um, you know, of course, from um, the Adams Family. Oh, that's right. Oh, my goodness. It's a great cast. Yeah. Great premise. It is a great cast. It's a great premise, too. You have a con man here who's using his ability to essentially it's like the huckster Sixth Sense situation as if Haley Joel took yeah. his powers and, and tried to make money off of them right down the right. line six cents also you've Which got just... the amazing score of uh danny elfman throughout oh yeah just it was just so gorgeous to watch it, it didn't seem rushed all the characters were given their dues even the, the romance was was pseudo viable to me it just so well-rounded yeah comparatively yeah. great um but um, in this one effects. it really kind of does dabble in the what heaven and hell sort of business that some of the other ones don't what yeah. does happen next because well, okay, so what were the circumstances of the ghosts that he was using um to con people they were stuck there in limbo purgatory sort of Correct. stuck on earth yeah because they unfinished had business they had unfinished business okay yeah and until that was resolved they couldn't see the light correct which we do okay. see yeah 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 yeah. Do you do they all see the light at the end? I, I don't know I'm if they kinda... all do. I know there is definitely some tying up of of characters and uh, loose ends. Yeah, and Gary B or I'm sorry, Jake Busey. Jake Busey. He goes down though, from what I recall. He gets I sucked think to hell. Right? Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yes. I just remember those scenes being so floor like distinct with yeah. the heaven and hell dichotomy yeah. going on, more so than any other movie I'd probably seen at the time. Sure good people go up and who's not so good as sinners going straight to hell straight it to was hell. definitely a little a little more i guess what's the word just obvious about it than other horrors had been but in a good way yeah because yeah. again we have we're dealing with comedy horror as it's as it's a topic just to do straight faced it, it really is it really is otherwise you've got a zombie movie on your hands true um now if you don't mind, let's jump to one of my favorite movies. Of I all was time. just going to say, let let's transition <laughs> to this movie because I know you're a big fan of it. We've talked about it. I feel it a like we times. we not talked about it. We have talked about we it. We have a couple talked times, about right? 2002's May. May. And I yes. believe we started talking about it because um, the main actor was in another movie we watched um, from last year, The Late Shift. The Late Shift. Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis. She has not been in enough stuff. No, she she's fantastic. So amazing. So fun. So quirky. Um, and this film, so I remember... So goth-looking uh, in this movie. <laughs> it's very goth-looking. Yeah. Uh, like a Daria. I, I, remember, I wish I'd seen it in the theater. This is yeah. one that I just, I've just i seen so many times at this point. And one, I wish I'd seen it in the theater. But I remember being down in Champaign-Urbana, going to uh, college and seeing it at a Hollywood video and be like, that is an interesting cover. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. flipping it over and just seeing, oh, shit, it has um, Jeremy Sisto, Sisto, who was um, in another movie I really loved at the time. Was it Suicide Kings? Yes. So, uh, Suicide Kings yes. is what led me to willingness to watch something I had known nothing about other than his being in it. And then, of course, we have another awesome side character in it played by Anna, Anna Faris. I was just going to say, she's great. Almost steals the movie, which is impossible when you got Angela Bettis as the lead because she's such a gem herself. Yeah. But Anna Ferris is kind of doing something we haven't seen her do before, I feel like. She's definitely a little ditzy in it and, and goofy, but <laughs> yeah. there's also like a compassion and an empathy for May 
that grounds it in a way we haven't i don't know i i, I feel like it's such a well-rounded cast do you did you recognize who the doctor is the, the not the doctor but the the pet doctor what do you call it? a veterinarian that may works for she's the veterinarian's assistant um which leads to her ability to kind of cut off limbs reattach limbs which kind of is what gets in our our whole rebirth aspect of this movie that's a great but if you've seen borat the first one it's the big guy that travels with borat <laughs> this big hairy guy that is just this ball of like greek i don't think um, I, I remembered that i don't think i put that together <laughs> especially when i saw the movie because like a big thing is like they're trying to understand what this uh greek doctor is saying about like i need the scoople the scoople oh he wants the scalpel <laughs> i was like it's just it's it's so much fun everyone in it is hilarious and even jeremy sisto is great in it too and he's a horror lover himself his character yeah. is making horror movies within a horror movie um that doesn't almost feel like a horror movie for so long right right until it really does. And she starts slaying people and essentially harvesting the part of their body that she likes the most. Because it's rooted in her loving Jeremy Sisto's hands. hands right. she's, she's a very like asexual person, kind of. But then she's finally kind of getting out of her shell when she gets the, her stigmatized eye fixed, right? So she no longer has googly eyes. A little bit right. of confidence. He kind of gives her a little bit back. They have fun moments. But then... She's too much. She's too much for him, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that he's already a little much himself. So for her to be too much for him, it then scares him to the point that he's got to ditch her and she ain't having none of that. So she finds herself some hands <laughs> and then she finds herself some Anna Ferris legs. Yeah, she's, she's got those good gams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then some guy on the, uh, on the bench, she's waiting for a bus or something and she notices what nice arms he has, so she takes his <laughs> arms. Um, but the point of why this is on the list is that this is really at its heart a Frankenstein story, right? Um, which we unlike Doctor. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say which we could have started this whole conversation off by saying, you know, that is maybe one of the first movies about resurrection, or, or you know, um, but but I felt we didn't need to because we would be talking about May. Right. But interesting, what would really differentiates May from Victor Frankenstein is Victor Frankenstein is, is really initially doing it for science's sake. Right. Yes, he does eventually then bring back his wife, um, a la what we see in Reanimator at the end when his girlfriend dies and he sticks the green ooze in her in the, in the and, last And uh, another movie we're going to talk about. And another movie we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> but May... And the rebirth in this has more to do with loneliness mm -hmm. and the fact that she she has this parasocial relationship with this doll that her mother gave her. And her mother is so horrible to her. So ultimately, this doll is a closer kinship to her and gives her more emotional support than her own family does. Right. Um, but it's in this glass box, which is just there's all sorts of metaphors going on in May and how her best friend is untouchable, too. Uh, so then when she does end up piecemealing her own zombie together at the end and it does suggest that it does come alive at the end it's more by the power of her will and her uh just lack of connection with people sure. it's, it's it's really kind of sad and sweet human touch and even though she's murderous may it's i kind of rooting for her to have made her friend no matter how it happened <laughs> and you can't tell i love this movie <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it's starting to to show a little bit, <laughs> but it's a it's a very um very good movie, and it's definitely worth a rewatch. I know I I plan to do that this year. I think I'm gonna I know, put that I'm on really, my list of things I'm gonna watch before Halloween because I haven't seen it. In I so kept long. an eye on that director, Lucky McKee. Lucky too, McKee, yeah. I didn't. I haven't really seen anything that I really love beyond that. I think he was in a Masters of Horror maybe at one point, mm -hmm. but that sounds right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, like maybe. He flew too high to the too close to the sun. Yeah, and with May, what do you do then? Right, I think he did do a couple like bigger studio films, like Red. Oh, really? I think so. Ah, I did not realize that. Interesting. Um, let's talk about um, now that we, we we've mentioned Doctor Frankenstein. Yes, and we've talked about Reanimator. Let's talk about this next movie, which. Um, came out in 2015 and i think it really flew under the radar 
And I had no idea about it, given the cast. Yeah, I only knew about it because I had seen the cover of it, like on streaming apps and whatnot. And who's on the cover? Uh, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Olivia okay. Wilde is on it. And we're talking about a movie called The Lazarus Effect, which is a Blumhouse movie. And I believe this movie was purchased right before it came out because I think it was originally called just Lazarus. And mm. I think Lionsgate may have purchased Someone purchased it and then maybe it was originally Lionsgate. Anyway, it gets this name, The Lazarus Effect. And I didn't know when I started watching this movie the cast that was in it. You've got Mark Duplass, Olivia Wilde, Olivia Wilde, um, Donald Glover, and Evan, Evan Peters. Evan Peters, and, like and even this, and the, even in the secondary uh, girl that's in it, Sarah Bolger, she's kind yeah. of a big shot now too. She's yeah. been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. Amazing cast, such an ensemble. Yeah, and you would really, you're really rooting for this movie when it starts, and then it really falls into a lot of tropes. It really does. It's, I was bummed when I saw then that uh, Duplass didn't have anything to do with the writing. Because yeah. that's, that was, that was the biggest issue is the writing. Cause I felt like there was so much that could have been done that was squandered and that there was these hints at relationships that were dynamic, but there were, they were never fulfilled right. uh, to make the deaths of characters have any significance or yeah. uh, impact on the audience. I mean, it uh, really has a cool story about how big pharma comes in mm -hmm. And can just you know the, the power they have, the money they have to sort of just take what they want. If they they they're, they're kind of like Big Brother in this, where they're like watching um, what's going on in a in a science lab that's being sponsored by a university. And the idea behind this Lazarus effect is not just to it's not to bring people back from the dead. It's initially created to extend someone's life during a pivotal moment that's happening on the operating table. Right. You know, it gives the the surgeons the ability to keep someone's brain alive long enough to, to do what they need to do. Um so you know, like the brain doesn't like lose oxygen and whatnot. Right now, like as as noted in Reanimator, you got the six to twelve minutes post death that your brain still has activity. So I think this yeah. Lazarus serum that they're dealing with is able to prolong that. Yeah, because it infuses further DMT. They really talk a lot about the DMT in it. Yeah. Now, one of the first tropes was, of course, was them testing on an animal. <laughs> like yes. in Reanimator, you've got a cat, and this exactly. you've got a dog. They even referenced a Cujo. They say Cujo in it, which they're foreshadowing the dog's going to have some weird thing going on. It was there was too many things that were were laid out and then delivered that there was very poor payoff. Yeah, the execution was the problem. I <sighs> did like one moment with the dog though. Um, not the one with Evan Peters where it breaks out and suddenly is interested yeah, in eating Doritos like, and everything. Getting the chips the off the top shelf or something using that was using its psychic abilities. But when they bring it home and Olivia Wilde is asleep, oh, yeah. and the dog is just on the bed yeah. above her, just hovering Watching over her, her, just looking at her. That's maybe the best shot in the whole movie. Yeah. That's the most effectively scary <laughs> scene in the right. whole flick. I think you're right. That got me. That one did get me. The yeah. idea of a wild animal that's unpredictable while while you're vulnerable sleeping. That'll get you every time, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, it kind of feels we like Pet Cemetery as well, you know. Right. It's it's got a lot of other it's it itself as a movie is a Frankenstein, uh Frankenstein's yeah. monster of other horror movies. It is. And, and just the way it moves is so stodgy it, like yeah they bring her back to life right after she gets electrocuted because she's wearing a necklace or a ring or something well anyways she's electrocuted on the ground they bring her back and it goes from like one scene where he's like oh no she's gonna be fine we can fix her to then she's able to hear everything that they're saying and thinking and suddenly her husband mark duplass is like there's something really wrong with her yep you know he yeah. like he goes he does uh, such a 180 on like expect? having hope to <laughs> There was no natural progression of what the characters there's, were thinking and feeling. There's a moment right before he brings her back where um, 
the documentarian is like, whoa, 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 are you sure this is a good idea? Like, what if it doesn't work? He's right. like, it will work. And they're like, okay. <laughs> do it. Just do it then. And the do other, this with you or without you. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's okay. compare it to another movie that you had brought up that um, I remember seeing as a kid and not really fully understanding it or liking it as a kid. And, and that is the, the Kiefer Sutherland movie, Flatliners. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I loved the first one. The second, the, the latter one that they did, the reboot, yeah. sucked. The first one was so great. That's another instance of such an amazing cast. And one of the biggest issues that could have held Flatliners back is, like Lazarus Effects, most of it predominantly takes place in a lab, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you're so confined, it really kind of like takes away the cinematic quality. And I think it really hurt Lazarus Effect being stuck in that basement for the majority. Well, of the, movie. the- craziest part about Lazarus effect is it has the ability to leave there um mm-hmm. because we've got Olivia Wilde's dream but the dream right. is a hallway <laughs> right so that to me is just like okay this is another budgetary thing like if you want a third location it's a hallway <laughs> you can get a hallway <laughs> but what you're right tr- in flatliners is able to break away into these like beautiful like heavenly sequences yeah because they they, if you're not familiar flatliners is a group of doctors who are kind of playing with death toying with killing their buddies and then bringing them back before it's too late sort of thing so they can experience a little bit of the afterlife well when olivia wilde dies in this one she's gone for about an hour before they juice her up with the lazarus serum but according to her, she's been gone years and years and years, which is a great premise. I love the yeah. whole inception. Time moves differently depending she's on. She's been in a living hell. You know, she has been experiencing a single moment over and over again. A living loop of of this experience as a child where essentially she set a fire yeah. and killed her neighbor. So we find out that she was, the, we don't know at first she was the reason, but we find out she is the cause of the death. Of right. And in that people. moment, that's when, why she's stuck there. When you learn that my first thought was, Oh, she's always been evil, but right. no, they don't actually say that because when they ask the little girl, she's just holding the matches. So we still don't know in that moment if she did it on purpose or not, but that's true. when she comes back as the firefighter in that final scene, you're, I think, then supposed to believe right. that she has always been evil. And it's, it was just contrived. Such cool powers that she has, though, to suck you into your, her own dreams and then to create a, a, essentially like an X-Men sort of like fake illusory experience yeah. where then she is playing multiple actors herself and making it seem like something's happening that's not. And like the reanimator, it literally ends like identical to the reanimator with her bringing back her husband that she killed and juicing him up with the Lazarus serum in like the exact same sequence. (gasps) He wakes up in the same way in the reanimator. We hear her scream. Uh, It was a lot like the reanimator. I feel like it borrowed more than it might be willing to admit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it may have been part of their pitch, but I think if we were to go (laughs) and look at all these movies we talked about, and I think it's always been the message is that anytime you try to bring someone back, they're not going to come back the same. Bad idea. Bad idea. could you do a movie where it was different? You know, could you bring someone back? They have to be changed, right? And that's the only, and maybe that's why we don't see enough of these movies because it's, it's like you're stuck in that whole rule. You have that one. It's interesting that you asked that question because uh, obligatorily, I have to talk about Buffy. Because okay. Buffy dies at the end of season five, Buffy dies, sacrifices herself, and then her witch friend Willow brings her back at the top of season six with their buddies, and she's changed, but she's not a zombie. It's it's like a, it's like the thing sort of thing. She was on pause, but she was in heaven. Mm. She experienced. It's the opposite of what happens to Olivia Wilde, and then Olivia Wilde has been tormented. She comes back as this demon sort of creature. Buffy comes back and has depression because life sucks compared to heaven. It was a much more interesting take on being sucked away from something that was glorious. She earned her spot in heaven. And because her friends were so selfish and wanted her back, now she's stuck living the toils of everyday existence. That's a really fun premise. If you had a character who was pissed off that they were brought back, and that's the reason. And the reason that they want to go back there, or maybe their reason of killing people, is to give them that same positive experience. Now, that's interesting. Now, that's interesting. 
interesting story. <laughs> because uh, if you give yeah. a character the idea of murder, but their their sole purpose is like, no, 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 no. Trust me, it's better. I've been there. You can't blame them. That's true. Then it comes into like cult territory, Heaven's Gate. No, we're going to a better place. Yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I yeah. swear. Leave I swear. All this, this, the earth is just, I mean, that goes back to the whole yeah religious thing of that um, heaven is better than earth. But the point is that Buffy had a whole season to tackle the, this this impossible topic. Gotcha. Yeah. And it, I don't know. You can't do it in a movie. I don't think you can do it effectively in a movie. Well, we hit that hour it mark. Tough. And I think. Yeah, we did. We um we did learn a valuable lesson here today, and it's to never bring your friends back from the dead. And just stay alive, isn't that what we always say at the end of these things? Oh yeah, stay alive. Don't die to begin with. Just stay alive. <laughs> oh right, the message you've been telling us every week. <laughs> stay alive. Stay alive, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, hell yeah.